Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Conversation with Crystal. In today's episode, I actually am the guest of another podcast I was interviewed for. The podcast was called MFIS Plus with your host, Bliss. And it's an exploration of practical tools to help during your healing journey. And so we go into my story with depression and suicidal thoughts and how I was able to explore all of the healing modalities that I encountered to move me through this process, as well as exploring a bit of consciousness and emotional navigation. The MFIS Plus podcast is a podcast centered around practical tools to help with your healing journey and being able to understand yourself a bit more. So thank you for tuning in. Go check out MFIS Plus on Spotify and enjoy the episode. Welcome to MFIS Plus. That stands for Moving Forward in Success. We are a new podcast, community, and movement, all designed to enhance and benefit people's lives on the personal and societal level. You can contact us through Twitter at MFIS Plus. That's M-F-I-S-P-L-U-S. And if you'd like to support us, you can also follow us on Twitter. I'm your host, Bliss, and today we have our special guest, Crystal Ordews. How are you doing, Crystal? Hi, I'm doing well. I am super excited to be recording with you today. Yeah, I've been very much looking forward to doing this podcast. Um, You know, in our pre-interview, we touched on a lot of interesting topics and... uh, you know, it's always nice to have kind of a breath of fresh air when it comes to somebody having, you know, a deeper perspective with things. Do you want to Thank give you. us some background on yourself? Yeah. So as you guys know, my name is Crystal. I am the host of The Conversation with Crystal Ardues. And I started my podcast for the same reasons you have yours. I want to help this planet. I want to help end human suffering. I want to help bridge people together to know that they have a support system by sharing people's experiences during their growth process and their emotional process and what are those turning points. And as well, it's focused on psychology and personal health. So those are my interests as they've been integral in my life because I've been my own psychological experiment. Um, I went to Cal State Long Beach. I live in Long Beach, California. I'm 26 years old. I studied communications, hence why I like to talk. Um, And I've always been in the personal growth world for my own journey. Um, Yeah, so that's just a little bit about me. Okay, well, before, you know, we get into kind of 
rattling each other's brain a bit. I wanted to kind of hear your story. And, uh, Yeah. you know, we can let the audience know, you know, when you told me your story, um, there were a lot of things that stuck out to me that just show, you know, how much of a thinker you are. So I definitely wanted to give them an opportunity to have the same experience I did. Yeah, absolutely. So what got me into the personal growth realm um, was my journey with depression and suicidal thoughts. Um, it was like a night and day experience. I remember feeling confident. I remember feeling super ambitious. I remember feeling like I could accomplish anything as a young teenager and just trying to explore the world and grow. And then all of a sudden, it seemed like a switch happened overnight. And all of a sudden, I was experiencing all of these intense emotions and crazy ideas about myself that I've never even thought of, mostly negative, of course. Um, and just feeling so isolated, like, it felt like I was always looking through a clear wall or like a imagine a ceramic feeling piece of glass where it's like you can it's flexible and you can put your hand through it right and you can like scrape and so i would feel like i'd be putting my hands and scraping and being able to quote unquote touch people but there was still this line of plastic and i just felt so disconnected from myself and so those emotions got was deeper and deeper and deeper and i was feeling more and more sad and i had no idea why it just literally came at like a freight train like i got hit by like a universal two by four with heaviness and just self-deprecation and self-hatred and loathing um and so as those feelings progressed eventually it led into suicidal thoughts because i just wanted to escape i wanted to escape the tumultuous feelings that I didn't know how to navigate. I wanted to escape the psychological abyss that I felt like I was walking through. I just wouldn't feel like I was going through darkness and I couldn't, couldn't even see my way out and just trapped and had, couldn't even climb up. It felt like being at the bottom of a well and that well hole just got higher and higher and higher and darker and darker and darker. And so my suicidal feelings was, I just wanted to get out. I just wanted to leave. And so now I know that a lot of those feelings originated was because of some family history that I had with um, a challenging moment with my dad where I thought I was feeling abandoned, but actually he was just moving away to another country. Now he wasn't as involved in my life, but how I interpreted that as a child uh, manifested into what they call like abandonment feelings. And so I felt a bit guilty trying to navigate those um, experiences with my parents because I didn't want to be seen as the bad kid, but I knew I was dealing with the sense of duality. So th that moment was what catapulted me into personal growth because I knew I did not want being a self-loathing, um, suicidal teenager to be my precedent for the next, what, 50, 60 years, that that was going to be my truth. Like I was like, this is what I'm setting up for my entire life. This cannot be. And on top of that, I was also very fearful that I genuinely wanted to engage in those feelings and act it out. Um, 
I don't know if that was like a my one my first God moment or you know whatever you consider that experience to be, but that was when I was like I have to make a change and I made a strong choice to pursue my um, my healing journey and it wasn't all perfect, of course not. Like I still had dealt with negative thoughts and things like that, but. I end up finding more information. I end up going to counseling. And then from counseling, as I got older and discovered podcasting, I was able to find my own information, start reading books, going to retreats, doing somatic healing to really re- rewire my entire system. Um, so yeah, that's a bit of how I got into personal growth. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And then kind of just, just some, some of your background story of like growing up and what that was like for you. Yeah. So that was another reason why I got into personal growth was my childhood wasn't quote unquote bad. Like everyone has family problems, right? Like we all have difficult moments, but it wasn't like I was being verbally abused, sexually abused, physically abused, where it's like you really need to get out of your circumstances because you're being physically threatened. I wasn't Mm. like that. Um, Yeah, I understand that nothing, things weren't perfect and, you know, things were up and down and chaotic, but I didn't think that it was quote unquote traumatic enough for it to warrant suicidal tendencies and suicidal desires. And so, yeah, there was um, some fighting, some tumultuousness amongst my mom's partnerships and things like that. And I, at times, would feel very uncomfortable coming home growing up um, just because I didn't know what I was getting into or, you know, what was going on between them and being a very sensitive, empathic person, which I'm pretty sure a lot of the people who will be listening to your show will identify with. Um, I could just always feel all of those changes and then going through my own process, it was just like an overload of emotions and an overload to my nervous system that it felt like I couldn't process sometimes. And I would just shut down and numb out with TV or numb out with food. Um, And so at home, it was like hot and cold a lot. Um, so I feel like it would be safe and then maybe there would be a fight between my parents or fight between my mom and her partner at the time. And then it would just be weeks of discomfort and trying to coddle or trying to be perfect, but not ever, you know, feeling very, uh, stable within my own being in my household. Um, so I, I definitely would try to escape as much as I could with being with either TV or being perfect until college came around, um, to be, to, um, get me out of that environment. But yeah, it's actually, as you, as we're talking about this, I'm reflecting back now on my childhood and just even putting pieces together now. Cause I'm always, you know, observing and yeah, I, I guess I was shut down as a kid. I felt very shut down in a lot of ways. And I had kind of a similar experience. I always felt kind of like the outcast in the situation. Um, you know, I thought differently. And I felt more intuitively present than most people. Um, yeah. You know, being able, and I'm sure you've had some similar experience with this of just, you know, having a better sense of whether or not somebody's lying. Um, you know, I think that kind of separated me from people a bit because it's just common, you know, when you're a kid, you're with your friends, you want to go up and tell them a cool story so you lie and make something up and a couple of my friends did that and I was just like and I 
kind of told it on my face immediately. Like, you know, they would tell a story and I'm like, dude, you're just kind of lying. Um, and I think kids that kind of grow up with more of that sense, um, it definitely kind of separates them. So I don't know if you had any experience with that, Oh, yeah. but that's Um, what kind of shut me out. yeah, I totally get that. I definitely understand what it's like to feel like you're different from other kids in the sense that like I was being very observant, right? We learn through our experiences. We learn through watching the world, which is natural. You know, you don't, no one wants to become externally referenced, but also we have to learn from our external world in order to understand life. Um, and so I always would compare myself to other kids who might have seemed more popular, the athletes, or, you know, they're, I don't know, something like dating, because as a teenager, everyone wants to date, right? And I wasn't getting that same attention, but yet I would see all these kids being really happy, or in particular women, you know, I'll, I'll talk about women being really happy and getting their worth from guys and me being like, I shouldn't have to put my worth on other people, but yet I have this yearning desire for that same attention because it seems to give people so much worth. And I was feeling so worthless that I was seeking anything to be able to alleviate that. And so, and I felt like I was lost because I didn't know who I was. Like I thought I knew who I was. And then all of a sudden that person did not feel like they were there anymore. Now that's obviously not true because no one can make us feel anything in all aspects of of us exist. But at that time during that growth period, I had no clue who I was. I felt like I was lying to all of my friends because I was so sad, but yet would have this demeanor of I'm happy go lucky and putting on this face to be liked and all these things. But on the inside, I was like screaming for help. Um, and, on, and on top of that, I was also going through things at home where I could pick up on all of the sensitivities and issues that my parents' um, relationship was going through um, that I couldn't even think sometimes. I was always questioning myself if anything was true because my life wasn't quote unquote that bad that I started developing a lack of trust within myself because what I was thinking and feeling and what was happening around me didn't seem to um, uh, coincide. So yeah, I definitely identi I identify with that. Well, and I identify with trying to, well, not trying to, but wanting to be popular. I think I kind of tried to a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, I just kind of wanted to give people a little bit of a picture of your background a little bit. Um, I guess, you know, now we could kind of move into asking... Um, Something that interested me in your story was your worldview. Um, can can you share like kind of what your worldview is with everyone? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I believe in the goodness of people. I believe that people really have the best intentions for one another. Just sometimes, um, though they may look differently, like uh, different opinions politically, different opinions socially. But at the end of the day, those opinions are based off of experiences that we've been able to attain um, to make sound decisions that support us all. Just sometimes they look a little different. And I believe in bridging that gap and allowing people to remember that and see that in one another again, just because I feel like there is so much separateness going on, at least if you're listening to this from the United States. Um, everyone is quick to villainize and attack one another, saying that they're a bigot, saying that they're this, saying that they're, you know, racist or whatever kind of um, 
quote unquote ostracizing idea to be compassionate and be a good person. Um, I just believe it's getting misconstrued. Um, and so I would develop that worldview from my observations of people and, um, yeah, I just want people to believe in the goodness of humanity again and to be able to see that and see that we are all one and have the same intention. It's just sometimes it looks different. And it and just because it's different doesn't mean that it's evil. Just because you don't understand doesn't mean it's wrong because we need that innovation and ideas and diversity and thought in order to innovate, in order to create improvements. Um and so that's my message is that I want people to remember that. Mm. Yeah, I think that's so powerful. And like the positive focus on um, unifying the people and seeing the goodness is what to me is kind of the key in all of that. Um, if you don't, if you don't really keep a positive perspective, with your experience and especially with other people um i believe you're gonna just automatically float to i guess you can float to either a neutral experience or a negative experience um but commonly people you know float into the negative and so the big thing with mfis is um getting people outside of the problem solution dynamic to help the people that are inside of that. Um, you know, cause some people, that's why you have people running around saying, you know, true happiness doesn't exist. Um, is because their whole life, all they've ever seen is a problem solution dynamic. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, that's a big part of our message is to let people know, like, happiness does exist. It's ever-present. Um, mm -hmm. It's there with you every moment, so. Yeah, no one can make um, us feel anything. Like, we have full dominion over everything it is that we feel. And so when people feel like they don't, they can't experience happiness or feel like they can't experience positive affect, um, a good way to remember that stimulus is to think of something that you really love whether it's your pet your partner music whatever just brings you joy that's a great way to um reinstate any kind of positive emotion or positive affect but as opposed to having it on an external stimulus you can insert yourself into that set image once you have the feelings in there and know that oh this is actually just me and it's reflecting myself back to me showing that it's actually existing inside of you and like back to the notion of any kind of negative experience, like we can't blame people for having that because we're learning through observation, right? So if you, and we learn most potently with any kind of negative experience because those negative experiences elicited a, some kind of intense reaction. So of course we're going to remember those things because something, hap something significant happened to us in that moment. And it's also possible to relearn that and re- um, program that experience or unlearn what we learned from that um so we're not stuck in that negative affect because from like you get from mm -hmm. your experience growing up and from my experience growing up like we chose we had a perception because 
these the emotional stimulus was so potent but we also knew that there was a disconnect from what we were experiencing so we could also choose to experience that differently because we had that critical that moment of critical thought that questioned the experience we were having as opposed to just assuming it was all completely negative and completely wrong and so that questioning oh, yeah. can allow people to like start unlearning what they um believed to be true from whatever negative or potent experience they may have had yeah definitely i think the clarity comes you know the clarity comes as you observe and um even try new things out in your experience so um i guess i kind of wanted to move into more did you did you want to kind of talk about your depression more a little bit and kind of paint a picture of what it was really like for you um yeah absolutely so um depression went through it felt like it went through phases um phases of getting better as it progressed um so and initially when i was a teenager i did had no idea what was actually happening i just remember feeling extremely overwhelmed and overstimulated all the time and just wanting to like escape out of my skin like i just wanted to do anything to get out of that situation i just wanted to feel confident again and so as I was navigating that journey, um, I, I did have some like mental breakdowns in class. And so that's what got me into counseling um, or made me pursue counseling as a teenager. Um, I did it off and on. I started noticing that the Western uh, models weren't really working for me as I was navigating my depressive state. Um, and now as I'm older, I am fortunate that I had strong... Um, suicidal thoughts because it kept me motivated to make a change to know that that's not my truth and not what i want um so i was always bombarded with thoughts like that which actually kept me on track to heal even more because i didn't want that as my reality um so from once i started getting into college i was able to pursue to pursue some counseling and explore that um since I was still developing at that time, I, w I didn't have the full picture as to like where my depression was manifesting from to uh, allow the opportunity for healing that my, my body so wanted so I could be clear and be where I am now. Um, so I experimented with some group therapy. I did some counseling. Um, it wasn't really working. And I think also it's because I um, just didn't have enough self-awareness and honestly, not enough potent experiences to really allow me to make the changes like behavioral changes I needed in order to really move out of that space and, and be intentional about I'm really going to change my life. So this does not keep happening again. And so navigating college was a bit um, complex because I started getting into um, not the healthiest dating situations um, because I was still seeking a lot of external um, validation. And so I was definitely trying to compensate with men. Um, absolutely. Like most young people, um, you know, dating is a whole whirlwind <laughs> and a half sometimes <laughs> trying to understand yourself by through other people. And, you know, I wouldn't even really call it dating. I was definitely much more, um, I would say promiscuous for sure. And, 
I was seeking love outside of myself because I did not know how to self-love. I didn't know what that experience was. And then also only seeing not the healthiest relationships and emotions growing up, meaning either people were explosive or people just completely suppressed. So I didn't even know how to regulate my feelings. And so with dating, because I wasn't in a healthy place with myself, I would attract from an unhealthy place. And so I would just recreate that quote unquote abandonment story only trying to cut, cause I didn't know how to connect healthfully. I'll try to connect through my body, but not know how to facilitate or elicit any other connection outside of that. And then blame myself and become super obsessive. And that was another one that catapulted me into personal growth was because I was such an obsessive person and I would just spiral into self abuse for the, um, in the dating scene, just because, you know, thinking that I wasn't wanted, I would just be so abusive to myself and you attract from where you're at. So when I was not in a self-loving space, of course, I'm not going to attract a partner who's either going to be, um, connected and see through that or in a healthy place themselves. And so eventually, you know, I was getting involved with someone who matched that and unfortunately led to a potential, um, abusive situation um and in that moment i woke up because i had warning signs way before that incident i knew that this wasn't someone who was good for me but because of the place that i was in with myself i was willing to brush that to the side even though I thought I was standing up for myself, I still allowed it into my life because I was still trying to make up for um, not feeling good about myself or not re-experiencing quote unquote abandonment and re-triggering myself and re-traumatizing myself. And so when that moment happened, I was like, uh, this, I do not want to allow people like this in my life nor allow myself to be treated in this way. Um, and so it made me observant of my choices and how I was starting to show up behaviorally in my life in a way that I had never seen before. So in a lot of ways, I'm also grateful for that experience because I do not think that that's an evil person by no means. I think that's also a person who's probably gone through difficult times as well. Um, and so um, that was kind of coming out in that moment. Um, but I didn't want to keep allowing people like that into my life. So that was when I decided to make a behavioral change. And then instead I got into another relationship, which made me feel safe, but I still didn't have any healthy habits. And so I was replaying a lot of my, um, anger and old story with my ex, um, and going through this weird loop of like punishment with them verbally trying to like get back or prove myself right to make me feel good but then allow myself to not be treated well or not have someone show up for me but being willing to tolerate that just so i didn't feel like i was not enough i was willing to take anything over me not experiencing my own abuse so going through the, those relationships and going through those experiences with men was my biggest mirror. And during that time, I was still very much depressed and hadn't really hit the forefront with my healing. Um, but that was what definitely jolted me. And after that unhealthy relationship that I was in, um, I literally shattered. I was like breaking apart 
into a million freaking pieces. And it wasn't just because of the relationships I was having with men. It was, you know, replaying any kind of childhood traumas or issues that I had with my dad. It was me in my own self-loathing for allowing myself to be so mistreated, knowing that I shouldn't have tolerated someone not showing up for me, someone blatantly not, you know, being like, hey, I do not want to be like around. Just like all these obvious, obvious kind um warning signs that I was willing to push aside because of my own um, ex internal experience that I literally like broke down got on my knees and I was like seeing crosses and having like a God moment that I was willing, like really surrendered to that and being like, I, okay, I'm fine. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with all of this. I am ready because what I am doing is not getting me where I want to be. And I'm tired. So, yeah, and that then, was. Oh, go ahead. Sorry okay. about that. Well, and then I was just going to say shortly after that is when you moved into therapy, right? So, once I had that shattering moment that like made the major um, uh, changes, that's when I started learning about Christine Hassler's work. She's amazing. She has the, a huge podcast called Over and On With It with Christine Hassler. Um, I was actually able to be coached by her, which was such a blessing. Um, so yeah, I started you with were her book. on the podcast, correct? Yeah, I was. So how that began was, you know, like I said, I had that really intentional breakthrough moment, which, you know, changes your frequency and um, you're able to attract what you want. So I started with her book. I started learning about journaling. I started learning about emotional activation, how to actually helpfully process as opposed to either recycling and re-traumatizing yourself, but in a way that allows you to healthfully like release what it is that you're feeling. And then her book was effective, but you know, it's kind of like an overview. And then I was like, you know what? She's some of the best. I've been listening to her podcast while I was actually on that in that relationship because I identified with everything that she was talking about. You know, people were talking about their deepest, darkest stories with their parents and addiction and just things you don't hear and things that we're talking about now. And I was like, this is tapping into my soul. I like this woman's amazing. So I just was like, you know what? I'm going to submit to her show. I'm just going to do it. So I was coached on her show, episode 158. Um, and that was the first time I actually had the physiological experience of self-love and worth. So when I say physiological experience is not just intelligently or logically knowing that you should be doing something or feeling a certain way. It's having that feeling go into your body and experience it. So as opposed to like what I say, thinking love, you're feeling love. And that's when the changes happen. That's when the brain states start to rewire because you're having the physiological experience, meaning you can change the physiology of your brain. And so once that started to happen, I was like, oh, I need to keep diving in because I'm actually experiencing and feeling healthy self-love or healthy emotions. And so I got into her mastery course, which which was like this major intensive, um, which is online. So you can do it on your own, which was great, but it's like meditations and like physical release work. So there, I had to do like an anger burn where you're like punching your mattress and like hitting stuff with a pool noodle, getting your actual anger that's been stored for God knows how many years. And if you're a woman, you're probably even more suppressed with your anger and actually releasing that in a healthful way. And then processing it through journaling exercises and things like that. And so, that whole program was magical for me because 
I felt like I was just reorienting my whole body. And then after that, I went to a retreat a few months later. Like I just felt my soul being like, you need to go do this. Like it's going to save your life. Like you need to go. And so I decided to, I went on a three day somatic intensive. So when I say somatic, somatic means again, physical, um, um, experiential, not just mental um, reframing and um, reworks. Um, and so from there, it was a ton of physical exercises to activate like crying and like sadness emotions and then tapping it, retapping into the experiences of whatever um, influential uh, influential life experience or traumatic experience that you had, retapping into that through physical exercises and then doing that with other partners to learn how to be vulnerable with other people and knowing it's a safe environment. And then again, another anger burn and then other deep breathing exercises and Kundalini work um, to move the energy out of your body and uh, re and recirculate um, through different energy points or chakra points, um, depending on what you guys may understand. And so that was like 10 years of therapy um, <laughs> in a weekend. Oh my gosh. I left that thinking like everyone needs to be doing this. Everyone needs to be doing somatic work like because you're getting your body reintegrated so like with someone who has like a lot of panic attacks doing something like that would be really great because you're re you're rewiring your body and recirculating the emotions and healthfully processing them rather than having it be so suppressed that um in order to move those emotions out you might have panic attack so after that i did that and then a few months later i did this thing called emdr so EMDR is called eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It was recommended by Christine on her coaching calls uh, for me to do because I would get really anxious and jittery before anything or talking to her on the phone. I'd get like super um, nervous for no reason when I'm asking for help, you know? And so that's kind of like that miswiring that I'm talking about in terms of emotions. Like, and of course people get jittery when you want to, you know, talk publicly, but it was again, something that like was to an extreme that made me a bit afunctional. And so I did EMDR for about three months. I had the sessions with my therapist and then eventually we had the actual session. And what that is, is that you have to go into the um, traumatic experience or the significant life experience and relive it and so you're reliving every single moment to the detail of like the doorknobs turning of looking someone in the eye or whatever that is for you um as an adult so you're seeing whatever that moment in time and then as your adult self you're supporting that individual through that process to be able to um reprogram it and understand it differently as you are as an adult today um, because your adult faculties are going to be different than when you're a child or as a teenager you're going to have just better tools to be able to understand something differently and so that's how it starts reprogramming your brain um, along with tapping so it can activate the right and left hemispheres of your brain to reprogram and reprocess that experience and that trauma in your body um, and then also have it live differently um, due to your new neural wiring. And so with the new neural wiring, you're able to implement new belief systems into your body as well. So, you know, with that saying that, oh, your beliefs are everything and da, 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 da. Well, that's actually like the physiological process of that changing and actually existing in your body rather than just thinking it. Now you get to feel it and exist in it. And now you operate in a different frequency to attract more of what you want or attract different situations. And so that's my um, therapy 
experienced thus far. Now I do like inner child workshops um, just to tap into those different parts of myself to access and, you know, better practice with my intuition. I do now I'm doing a lot more Reiki. And the reason I got into all these modalities is because the Western model wasn't working for me. Because if I could take a pill my whole life, I probably would have because of how I grew up. I didn't grow up in a spiritual household and all of that. I just followed the breadcrumbs and listened to what I really needed in my life and not allow fear and um, anxiety control me fully. Now, I'm not saying I'm not still dealing with those things because we're human and we're, we're young, like there's so much to learn. And I followed the deepest desire of what I wanted for my life. And that guided me into all of this. And then a sense of openness as well. Um, yeah, so that is where I'm at currently um, with my healing and journey process and now presenting that to the world. <laughs> mm. And do you think now, how would you feel about saying, do you feel like you're in more control of your thoughts and emotions? Absolutely. Or... So it felt like my emotional responses were innate. They were like instinctual. It was as if I couldn't control them. And I would see moments like that, especially when it came to my current relationship now. So my current relationship now is amazing. And I noticed some habits that, at least within myself, that did not allow me to have the healthful relationship I knew would be able to come about because I was stuck in like a feedback loop of habituated responses from how I saw like my mom's relationships. And that's what I was exposed to in terms of having to communicate or having to, you know, respond. I, it was either explosion or suppression. So I didn't know anything outside of that. And then because I was conditioned and, or that's what I was exposed to, it conditioned me as well. And so I was trying, I was, I didn't know how to break out of that feedback loop. And so doing all of the rewiring in my body has been able to allow me to, um, respond differently because I'm not having that instinctual like um, attack mode. I'm able to at least take a step back and listen and think about what's happening and then come back and respond. Um, and also my belief systems change. So I was also um, doing a lot of working with a lot of codependence. And so I was breaking out of the habit of codependence or like having that partner be everything for you. And so with the new neural wiring and calming of my nervous system, because I was able to relinquish a lot of those suppressed emotions that were festering inside, um, I had developed a better sense of self-awareness and being able to respond as an adult and think about what's happening rather than act than just responding um, to given situations. So I do think if I did not do any of the therapy that I had done, I don't think I would still be in a relationship now to be quite honest. So, mm. yeah. And also it helps me not to be so in um, reactionary to fear as well. It allows me to take a step back and not, um, um, give in to my fear responses or my anxieties as well. I think when people experience a lot of anxiety and fear, they are, you do anything to alleviate it. And I'm sure you understand this, like, 
because we don't like to be uncomfortable, right? We don't want to experience discomfort and emotions can be uncomfortable. Just like putting your hand on a hot stove is uncomfortable. Once you touch it, you know you need to get your hands off. Well, having the same thing with emotions. We don't want to feel things that are painful. So we do what we need to in order to alleviate that. And sometimes we're not always so aware of how we are trying to cope with those feelings um, because we've habituated ourselves so much into, I need to just not feel this, right? And so doing that, understanding how to healthfully deal with my emotions and understand that it's actually healthy to have them because all humans are perfectly designed to experience emotions or else we wouldn't be human um, allowed me not to be so reactive and just take a breath and then actually think about the situation and process the situation um, to give a to provide a better response to um, what it is that I'm feeling mm. Yeah, it's interesting anytime going into responding versus reacting or fear versus love because um, it's really kind of a make or break difference between people nowadays. You know, people, obviously the people who are reacting on, you know, a deeper level, those are the type of people who get in trouble. Um you know, and end up doing jail time or yeah, depending on how you know. deep your um your experiences are and what you've been exposed to, like you see why people end up in those situations. It's a combination of not being exposed to healthful emotional regulation, which I think is honestly most people like you know uh, that's just, we're just not taught these things because no one wants to be uncomfortable, no one wants to be depressed, no one wants to have those feelings, right? Even though we're we're meant to have them, people don't want to experience them because they don't feel good. Um, and then conditioning about what you know what your is what has been your external environment, and then seeing what people have been involved in. You know, you just kind of play monkey see monkey do sometimes. Um, and so people might end up in you know engaging in some egregious behaviors because of what they've been exposed to and how they've been conditioned, you know, that's sometimes that's all people know, right? Like that's just yeah, what you've seen. It's, and so it makes sense. Yeah, it really just, I know this from my perspective when, <laughs> you know, an individual gets in trouble or something's going wrong in their experience, like, you can easily observe the chain of events that set everything in motion. And, you know, I wish people were more just observant in general of their situation to avoid these pitfalls because, and not that, not that observing everything is going to make you avoid everything. Um, <laughs> There's still some things that are going to come up that are unexpected. But I think most of the time, um, simply being aware and present of your experience is what is going to allow you to transcend a lot of the issues through just being able to focus and identify like what the issues are that are coming up. Um, you know, it's the simple things that really change things for us, in my Absolutely. opinion. So I think that's what more of the like, you know, the Western models versus the Eastern models. Um, 
they each have their complexities, but um, and I don't really think I lean either way specifically. I kind of notice the simple approaches that both of them have, and I kind of pick pick from both of them um, which approach I'm going to take at different points. Exactly, because everything has gems and every and has some. Um you know, negative aspects, hence the port, you know, importance of innovation in that way. Like you take from all aspects. Cause I know like with Western medicine, if I break my arm, you bet I want to get that fixed, you know, and that's what's beautiful mm. about it, you know? And then also sometimes not everything is, um, needs to be so, uh, minute. Sometimes things are more cyclical, the things that we can't understand and put together or pinpoint, like what is happening, but something's off, you know, that's when some of the Eastern practices like to go in allows us to be able to dissect what that confusion is because it's not just like, okay, you need this, here's a pill, you need this, here's like a prescription or something like that. So, um, Oh, I was going to say, I forgot. It was back to the um, reactionary responses, actually, when it comes to fear. Another thing I did notice is that, at least in my experience, why I also did that is because the more we suppress how we feel and those emotions, the bigger they become. So, you know, it's like a beach ball underwater. You, you keep trying to push and push and push and doesn't really work until like it explodes. It either pops out of the water or something massive happens. Like how they say, like, don't suppress your anger or you're, you know, don't, you know, keep trying to avoid that fight with your partner because it might come back and be really bad and really explosive. Um, you know, I think that's another reason why people tend to avoid is because, um, they're afraid of their emotions. Like people are so afraid of their feelings and it just grows and gets bigger. And then they, you can feel how big those, those emotions are that you try even harder to suppress because sometimes it gets so big that you don't know what to do with it. And, um, and then it might become something that is, um, it can be something that might be scary. Like for me that it was scary. My emotions were so big and so suppressed. I didn't know what to do with them. But the more you learn about emotional regulation, you under those emotions actually get a lot smaller because you learn that crying or just feeling that sensation is actually safe and part of the healing process and part of the clarity process. And I say the part of the clarity process because after you cry, you notice that you have more insight because you're actually moving out the emotion that was present with you to be able to hear yourself again and to take that moment and to be silent. Um, at least in my experience, and you might be able to speak on this too, but I do notice that once, when you, the more we suppress, the more that we suppress, the bigger that sensation becomes. And then you begin become more focused on suppressing that set emotion and that set experience over actually being able to be clear or navigate what it is that you're trying to do because you become so focused on um, making sure you're not feeling those uncomfortable feelings but they're always present with you. I don't know if you identify with that, that those, with that um, experience. Well, I kind of have a different perspective when it comes to feelings. I think mm -hmm. a lot of people, they do this thing where they put themselves in the situation where they say, Oh, well, I need to just process this emotion. And there's, I think people have different, opinions on really what that is some people think you need to feel this emotion and express yourself and let it out and majority of the time 
I think people are doing that in an unhealthy way. For me, processing, you know, is like when I have an emotion come up, um, I recognize it, I acknowledge it, I'm able to see where it's coming from. Usually it's not based if it's something that's like negative and kind of like an unwanted experience. Um, I'm able to just kind of see where it's kind of an illusion or see how it's not based in truth. And then I just kind of move past it. And that's, mm -hmm. that's as deep as my process goes. There wasn't a need for me to, you know, sit there and cry for half an hour because I needed to process anything. Like it wasn't even real. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even based in truth. And so, you know, I don't really, you know, I don't, I don't cry a lot. I don't, I don't have a lot of things that I get really sad over. I don't get frustrated. Um, I'm kind of just in this chilled out kind of perspective all the time. And I think it's come with just learning to process things and a calm manner you know the mm. biggest thing is just staying calm if you yeah. can remain calm through anything like you you already beat it you already won in the situation um so like i think the big thing is just speaking to yourself positively and that was the next thing i wanted to go into with you was like um how have your affirmations kind of evolved throughout mm. this process for you I think that's a great question because I think there might sometimes there is a misunderstanding when it comes to affirmations. Like, okay, if I do 10 affirmations a day and you know, all these things, it's going, everything's going to be fine. Like it's going to correct everything. And um, based on my affirmation experiences, it's not actually like that because the key to, and I, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but it's it, because it's, it, this is what works at least for I test for my experience is that you need to be feeling all of your affirmations. So you can say, oh, I love myself so much, but you cannot think I love. You have to feel I love myself when you say it. And that's when you start experiencing emotions of love and elevating yourself or um, being able to be in more, um, to change your beliefs about who you are is you have to be feeling your affirmation. So I would, cause at one point I was saying affirmations, but I was also saying my affirmations in fear. So when you're saying something in fear, you don't actually believe it because you're saying something positive about yourself. But if you are saying it because you're, you are feeling awful or you're afraid of something, you're not actually doing that transmutation because those emotions and what you're saying don't actually match. That's what that's where that saying that, 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 um, the the phrase comes from you uh what is it you have things need to feel true that's what they mean is that you feel those emotions in order for that truth to exist inside of you and so I, when i was doing my emotion my affirmations i was saying it in desperation so i never really believed it i didn't truly like in my in my like depths of my soul and being actually believe the worth that i was trying to speak about and um make the changes. So once I started uh, experiencing the actual feelings of the words that I'm saying, that's when I started to actually believe it because I could cultivate the emotional experience behind the words that I was, try that I was trying to say. Um, and of course, with my therapies and things like that and moving out the, um, and 
reinterpreting and healing through past, you know, difficult situations also created the space for me to feel those emotions because what was present first was what I needed to heal from to gain the new perspectives to actually believe in the words that is that I'm saying, as opposed to just using it as a band-aid. So that's mm. been kind of my affirmation process. And so now when I'm saying something, I make sure to tap into my emotion and what I'm feeling so I can believe it as opposed to saying it to help alleviate um, any kind of uh, self-deprecation that I might be experiencing. Instead, if say I'm not feeling so good, I'll allow myself to have the experience and go through my emotions. And then once that's been moved out, then I'll be like, okay, that was an act of self-love and then be able to feel that um, as well. So that's my affirmation process. Hmm. And a lot of people, and this is why I've always enjoyed talking to you is because a lot of people don't put that much thought into it. Um, and it's kind of required now. You know, yeah. our, minds, our minds are complex. We've been tied into these knots from, you know, our environment and our experience, whether that's internal or external. And it's complex and it requires attention. It requires kind of a deeper perspective to see like what is actually going on here. And that being said, it doesn't mean there's not a simplistic kind of nature to it. You can find that as well. But I notice when, you know, you go more into depth on things, you find answers that you didn't even really know were there. Um, yeah, it's it's very calming. Like, yeah, brings you into a different state. Going back to that simplicity note, I mean, a, a simple um, a simple way in order to understand that is like, oh, I'm saying these affirmations, but why I why do I not believe it or feel it? Well, that can be that cue to be like start asking questions about why is that the way it is to help with your healing journey? Because getting curious, I think, is so powerful. And that's an easy way to get curious, to ask yourself those questions, to go a little deeper within yourself, as you're saying, to have more of that astute observation, um, to be able to cultivate those experiences. And then as well, I think on a more tactful level, you do need to practice. You have to build that muscle. If you're going into an affirmation that you just and you just started, but you never thought um, in a, you know, self-loving way, just because I, I say self-loving because I feel like positive affirmations are mostly used or that's the most popular, um, category people use self-love, but it can be for any affirmation you want, whether it's building a business, whatever, whatever is positive that you positivity it is that you want for yourself. Um, um, so it takes, yeah, you have to practice it. Like you need to repeat it and gain some repetition in order to make the behavioral change and habit actually as a habit because you have to repeat things in order for it to be a habit as well. So in terms of a simplistic term, you also have to practice. It's not just going to be overnight. You know, your brain takes years and years and years to grow and structure, you know, and so these belief systems that you have have been existing for X amount of years at however age it is that you are. So it's going to take some time and some repetition and, you know, practicing and some patience and some grace with yourself. But, you know, also positive affirmations are, are very important to change at least the perspective of your life and knowing that you have some dominion over your thoughts. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely. All that is such a crucial part to the growth process in general. Um, 
the question I was really excited to get to that we kind of talked about um, in the pre-interview was uh, what does consciousness mean to you? Ah, yes. This is such a great question. Um, consciousness to me means the ability to observe yourself, to be self-aware, and to be present with how it is that you're showing up in your life and your choices and how you show up affects the your world around you meaning as opposed to being externally referenced and thinking that everything around you is just happening you're able to observe how you are influencing your life which makes sense right it's your life so you should be creating it or be a big player why you know your life isn't someone else's life or the world's life it's it, it's yours so you should be able to see how it is you're playing that story and creating that movie and it seems like I feel like not everyone always has that awareness that like you are the creator of your life. So consciousness allows for that observance. Mm. And then kind of a follow up to that. I was just curious, kind of what brought you to start observing yourself? Oh, my suicidal moment. Uh. The, su the, the, the suicidal moment. Um, and then remembering who I was before all of that happening, because it literally felt like I was a completely different person. Um, and I was so afraid of myself. First of all, I didn't want to even be in my own existence. I was afraid of what I was capable of and who I am that I'd be willing to do that. And then also just not wanting that as my truth for my life. Like, this is how I'm going to operate forever moving forward. Like, this is what I really believe. This is my truth. And then anything positive or anything um, affirmative about myself is completely illogical and not truthful. That doesn't make sense. You know, if, so, if none of this is going to make sense, I'd rather have the good, the good stuff make sense and not the bad stuff make sense, right? And so I became aware of myself because I knew of what I was capable of in the most tragic sense. But I felt that being a truth in my body that I could actually engage in. And I didn't want that. Now in that moment to be able to have that sense of clarity, I don't know. I mean, I do kind of remember having some other voice come through me and speaking to me um, that jolted that awareness. But once I knew that I could move out of that through my, through choice and through perception, even if I wasn't there yet, I knew I had that autonomy. That's what made me be observant of myself and how I'm showing up in the world. Mm. And then, hmm, well, I have two questions here, but I don't know which one I want to go with, really. Spill it guess, out, you know? Yeah, Spill I it guess. out. <laughs> How do you keep yourself growing mentally and emotionally? I remind myself what it is that I'm doing. I remind myself of the life it is that I want to live and choosing to exist. You know, we're on this planet to live, to grow, um, to experience. And so I think about the experience I want to have. And also, like, this is extreme, but I think about my deathbed. I'm like, I'm going to, what do I want to reflect on when I, when my time comes to transition away from this planet? Do I want to be in regret and just be like, why did I just do that thing? Why did I just 
start that podcast? Why didn't I just start that business? What was I so afraid of? And so I think about that and look at myself and my life and that's what keeps me going. Um, because it is beautiful to exist on this planet. And I want to enjoy that experience. Um, and also, you know, I don't want it to be miserable because if like you, um, negative emotions can also manifest themselves physically as well. You know, I don't want that to turn into my sickness and my ailment. And so, um, and also for me showing up for myself, I can show up for other people even better. I can show up as a better person because you can inspire other people to be to do the work for themselves or do the healing or go through the journey so they can show up as the person that they want to be for other individuals and for themselves and enjoy that life. And when we have people who are fulfilled in that way, I think it helps heal society because people actually want to be around each other. And they're not, you know, just misplacing negative beliefs or judgments about themselves onto other people. You actually want to, you know, interact with someone else. You actually want to be unity because you are in a great place within yourself that you want to be able to share that. And it emanates. Everyone always says, oh, it just radiates off of you. Well, it's because you are having a healthful physiological experience that um, you embody. And so you can see it in your choices and your behavior, how you speak, how you eat, everything. So people are able to receive that. So that's what keeps me going is I just think about what do I want for my life on my deathbed? Mm -hmm. what do I... Go yeah. for it. I think it's natural, honestly. I think everybody has that within them and that's our natural state. Everybody wants well for themselves. Like even people who are in a confused state and who are doing wrong, like, you know, they're still in some manner trying to succeed in the goal. Like everything is based in positivity. Whether people see that or not is like another story. Um, you know, but everything is based on kind of this loving nature. And so, um, I think there's a underground rap group who sings a song it's called remember who you are. And it's really powerful. Like, I wish I could remember the name of the artist, but, um, it's just, it was always such a powerful song to me because, it was the same kind of concept of like, remember what your true goal is because we go through our days and we think, Oh, well, I know what I want to do. And I, I know what I'm doing. And then middle of the day we're at work and then we go off on somebody for no reason. And, you know, then wonder why, and then try to act like nothing happened. And it's like, mm. Oh, my goals are still the same and I'm fine. And I had a reason to be like this. And it's such an obvious state of confusion that we live in that point. And um, I think it just speaks to our our sickness that we kind of all go through together. Um, yeah, it's like it's like we feel like we're we forget that we're human and having an experience. It's like this that one time that when we go off or get caught up in that moment, it's just like it feels like it's eternal. But eventually, mm -hmm. we learn that it's not. And I don't, I, sometimes I don't think everyone, um, people remember that because, you know, death and, you know, transitions are very intimidating for people, even though it's something that's finite. Um, and so when I remember that, that's what, that's what makes me do the, makes me deep dive into myself. Mm. So speaking of the deep dive, 
What was the biggest thing you took from the retreat? The biggest thing I took from the retreat, I realized how much people are reliving their traumas and um, how much they exist inside of us emotionally and really influence our operation in life and how we function and show up because of how much purging is the best way to put it um, is is released at a somatic event um the power of emotions oh my gosh um sometimes it feels like people are living their whole lives just trying to suppress (laughs) and not feel um and how important it is to move that out and the level of clarity it is that you have in synchronicity within self once you clear out those emotions because you're actually not living in a way where you're trying to numb out your pain and quiet your you know anxious moments or anxious thoughts or depressive thoughts um because i felt like i was living every day just trying to quiet my mind and i learned what it was like to not have to live in quieting your mind but actually get to enjoy other experiences and be much more present for the things i wanted to be present for so um and how significant experiential work does versus just going to talk therapy. Not that talk therapy isn't beneficial. I think it's a great starting point, but it doesn't, you don't, it doesn't always allow you to move out the difficult experiences by reliving them and actually like doing the intense um, weeping and things like that. Um, you can't just think your way through emotions. You can't just think your way through a feeling experience. You have to, you, you have to go, you have to um, physiologically also have, um, have that be expressed as well. And it's effective. Mm-hmm. Like if you want something done quick and also like if you have, it's like one of those things where if you don't know what the answers are, but you know something's off, doing an experiential workshop will allow you to get to that core because it's just something that you need to feel. So I hope that answers your question. (laughs) Mm. And then our last question is, how do you process your fears in a healthy way? um, First of all, I just allow myself to feel it. I allow myself to cry. I'm a very sensitive person. I've said cry a lot today. I allow myself to cry, allow myself to process. Um, I just go through all of whatever it is uh, as I'm going through. And as I'm going through it, I imagine another part of myself supporting me another part of Mm. myself speaking that hey this is okay you're going through a process you're human this is nor this is natural and it's not permanent but i make sure to envision another part of myself because we're creative people we're imaginative we don't have to just be limited to that you can create whatever it is that you want in your mind i mean books exist for a reason right so i imagine that part supporting me and knowing that it's a wave, emotions are waves. They just need to, you just need to ride it out and then eventually it passes. Um, and so I, I support myself through that fear and I remind myself of what I'm still doing with my life and what's important to me. And know that this is just things that are coming up, old, old things that are coming up and that it's safe. You know, it's not anything that you can't handle or be overwhelmed and it's not my truth. So I don't allow it to overcome me, but and just make sure to experience it because fear is a, an emotion we have for a reason. Um, it keep, keeps us alive. And 
So I trust in that. And I trust in that fear as opposed to demonizing it. I think people are very quick to attack and judge and um, put all these um, horrible labels on fear as opposed to just knowing that it's part of the emotional process and it exists for a reason, but you don't have to believe it as a truth. Mm. So I kind of lied. There was one more question and that <laughs> surprises. I asked you what I remembered in the pre-interview. I wanted to go over this, yeah. but in the pre-interview, I asked you if you could say one thing to the audience, what would it be? And you said, to take a moment yes. to observe and ask why I'm reacting this way, which I don't, I don't know how you're going to beat that. That's, that's perfect. <laughs> I, say, I, I did say that was going to, yeah. And I did say that was still going to be my answer. If anything, would make it more succinct and it's just get curious about yourself. Get curious about why mm. you are the way that you are. Get curious about why does that same thing keep happening? And I think a good way to like be able to be observant of yourself, because there are people will be like, well, I don't know, let's just go you'll probably have experiences that keep happening in your life that keep repeating as they say um, lessons are repeated until learned so if you have like a good start to that is like if you have the same life experiences or the same patterns happening like in a relationship if you keep the same fight keeps coming up that's a good one to start with getting curious about why does this the same fight keep happening why does the same you know outcome keep happening after this choice so you get curious about yourself as to why that keeps happening. It's probably something deeper that you can observe. And so um, I think people sometimes are afraid to look at themselves, but you don't have to be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. You can just be objective and be just objectively curious and objectively just be like, hmm, why does that happen? Being objective is crucial for sure. Mm -hmm. um, well, sadly, we are out of time. Thank you all for <laughs> tuning in. A big thanks to our special guest, Crystal, for joining us. Did you want to add your, you know, add what platforms um, people can find your podcast and your IG handle? Absolutely. Um, so you guys can find me on Instagram. I also have a Facebook, but I'm mostly present on Instagram. And it's just my name, Crystal Orduz, uh, C-H-R-Y-S-T-A-L. Uh, my last name, O-R-D-U-Z. And then my podcast is The Conversation with Crystal Ordews. I'm on Apple Podcasts and Spotify um, and other major platforms as well. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. And you can be sure to follow MFIS Plus on Twitter. And that's at MFIS Plus, M-F-I-S-P-L-U-S. Also, check out our Discord community. There's chat. You can listen to music and podcasts with people and more. You can also talk about being a guest on the show there. The invite link for the Discord server can be found on our Twitter page or on Facebook. There's also a new feature where podcast creators can find guests, staff, and advertisers. They can also share links to their podcasts and the channel and find people to co collaborate with. If you'd like to download our episode, we have a link to our Google Drive on our Discord <laughs> server, and we are also on Anchor and Spotify. Instead of an outro clip, we have what we call The Wave, where we play you a song from a chill-out ambient music playlist. Stay tuned for updates. And be sure to tune in to our newest episodes. 
And always remember, communication cultivates clarity. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Conversation with Crystal Ardues. The music was brought to you by Here We Go by artist Resonance and track named Haven for our intro and for our outro. The artist's name was Lakey Inspired and the track name is Better Days. Please leave a review rating or subscribe or do all three on apple podcasts or any medium it is that you listen to the show it really does help the show grow and spread and of course it is so appreciated by me Um, again thank you so much for listening to another episode and i'll talk to you guys later bye